Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for December 23rd is Hebrews chapters 11 through 13. The great faith chapter, the great hall of faith, Hebrews 11, talks about faith. What is it? Why is it important? What does it look like? It's always important to understand context. The last verse in chapter 10 says, We are not of those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. It takes faith to be saved. But what is faith? Faith is the substance, the assurance, the reality of what is hoped for. It is the conviction or the proof of what is not seen. For by this, by faith, our ancestors were approved. It's knowing something without being able to see it. It's the word of God revealed in our hearts. It's when God speaks to you and you know it's him. When the Holy Spirit drops something into your mind and you would have had no other way of knowing. It's why some of us, when we hear the word of God, it is stirred up within us, while other people carry on and ignore it or are unchanged by it, even if they acknowledge that they believe it's true. It doesn't change them. Faith is the igniter that brings about change. Verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him diligently. So it takes faith to believe that God exists, and it takes faith to believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Our aim should be to please God. We exist to bring pleasure to God. That's why he created us. And yet, the vast majority of people carry on ignoring the fact that he exists. But he is placed within some people, a small minority it seems, at least in this day and time, a knowledge that he exists, a faith. And that faith is a muscle that must be exercised. The exercises God gives us are tribulations. They're afflictions. They are pain and disappointment. There are lessons that he's continually giving us that are like exercises that make our faith stronger. We have to step out of our comfort zone into what God is calling us to do in order to grow our faith. It hurts. When you go to the gym and lift weights and work out really hard, your muscles get sore. If you eat right and drink enough water and sleep well, they don't hurt all that bad. If you don't take care of your body, though, and you don't eat right, and you don't get enough sleep, and you don't hydrate well, your muscles will be even more intensely tired. This is a picture of what faith looks like. If you are completely out of shape and you go to the gym and have this incredibly hard workout, you'll be really sore and you just might decide not to ever work out again. 
if you don't eat processed foods, if you eat whole foods, if you drink plenty of water, if you abstain from alcohol and sugar and other toxins, and you sleep well, your muscles will be a little sore the next day. But it almost feels good. And so it is with our faith. If you don't really trust God for anything, and then all of a sudden make a bold stance, and you're not really sure if it's God, but you want to believe it is. And so you get far outside of your comfort zone and you do something completely out of character and it doesn't go the way you think. You might give up and decide not to believe God anymore. It would be foolish for anyone to think that they could go to the gym once or go jogging once and their body would be magically transformed and they would look like somebody featured on the cover of a magazine. Of course, that wouldn't happen that way. It takes discipline. It takes eating the right foods and denying yourself of the things that taste really good, but you know aren't good for you. And so it is with faith also. Daily disciplines, obeying God in the small things. Many of us want to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, facing down the king, being thrown into the fiery furnace, and having the ropes burned off of our hands that kept us bound, and yet being unharmed in the midst of the flames. That's like winning the weightlifting gold medal without having trained for it. It doesn't make sense. We must learn to obey God in the small things before he's going to put us on a stage before thousands or millions. This is why reading our Bibles daily is so fundamental. We must get the word of God inside of us. We must be transformed by him, becoming like him. If Noah had not been a man of prayer and a man of faith, he never would have been the one God called to build the ark. If Abraham was not one who obeyed God and listened to him, he would not have been the father of all Israel, including spiritual Israel. If Sarah had not been a woman of faith in the small things, she would not have been one to have born a son in her very old age. By faith, Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. So having faith doesn't mean you're perfect. None of these people were perfect. And yet, when there was a time to make a decision, Rahab chose to follow God, and she was saved by her faith. And her faith resulted in action. These people and many others in verse 33 conquered kingdom, administered justice, received promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength and weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead, raised to life again, all by faith. Other people were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Maybe they were told, we will set you free if you will deny your faith. And these people said, no, I'll never deny my faith. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he's died in our place because we are all sinners, including you. 
Mr. Jailer, Mr. Executioner. And so they chose death because of their faith. The world was not worthy of them. Is the world worthy of you or me? Are we living in such a way that it will be said of us, the world is not worthy to have us here? Chapter 12, verse 1 says, We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily entangles us and run with perseverance or with endurance the race that was marked out before for us. We are surrounded. These aren't people from just a couple thousand years ago. There are people even yet today that the world doesn't see, the world doesn't acknowledge, the world wants to dismiss. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's me. Maybe this is just talking about in the spirit realm. We are surrounded by Abraham and Isaac and Joseph and Noah and Enoch and Daniel and these Bible heroes that we've read about. We are surrounded by them. They are still around us in our midst, or we are in their midst, in the middle of them. You've heard it said, you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Recognize who's around you and become like them. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter. It's like he's the inventor of our faith, and he's the one who makes it perfect. Let us become like him. Let's focus on him. Let's remember that we are in the midst of such a great cloud of witnesses. Let's embrace this discipline. God doesn't take delight in making us suffer, but he has a purpose for us, and it's for us to be mature, to be made like him. Our earthly fathers, for those of us who had them, disciplined us for a short time based on what they thought was right, but God does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. Let's not be like Esau who sold his spiritual identity, traded it for a single meal, and he was given no opportunity, or at least he found no opportunity, to repent. Let brotherly love continue in chapter 13, verse 1. Don't neglect showing hospitality, for in so doing, some have entertained angels and not even known. Remember those who are in prison. And verse 7 says, Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. In other words, don't just imitate anyone. Look at those who are teaching God's word to you and imitate them, but only after you carefully inspect their lives, judge their fruit, and ensure that it's of God. If someone is a Bible teacher, and yet they're rude to the cashier at Walmart, don't imitate them. If someone has a huge ministry, and yet they're not generous, don't imitate them. If someone's written lots of books, and has a famous radio program, but they're not patient, or kind, or loving, if they're not humble, don't imitate them. Now may the God of peace equip you with everything good to do his will, 
working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom we belong forever and ever. Amen. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow.